Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. Hi again. Here we are to talk about thanatology a little bit more, which I'm learning. I say umbrella a lot. This is a large field, and yes, there is a separate field of study for thanatology, but I think what I'm missing is to explain that thanatology in and of itself, yes, career, but it also is part of so many other fields of study, and I just want to make sure that I make that clear, not for any other purposes that I notice over time that I keep saying the same thing. Thanatology is here. We're, I don't know, maybe halfway through the series. Today we'll talk about psychological thanatology. I have a little story to share with that, and I tried to avoid it, but I think it's really important to share my illustration of how I perceive this field to really impact lives. So I will share that I was kind of considering a career change, and because I've been studying death and dying myself, I guess you could say I'm a lay thanatologist, but I came across this term and I did not know what it was. I had not ever heard of it before, but I did realize as I kind of delved deeper into the topic, this is not where I want to spend my time. Thanatology in and of itself is a very broad umbrella and I have so much to learn. I can't imagine at this point focusing on one topic. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, and thankfully, you're coming along with me as we learn together. But back to the psychological. So, a thanatology-trained psychological professional would be someone like a therapist or a counselor who has been trained in dying and death and probably has studied about getting that diagnosis, about getting that medical test, about helping a loved one process the end of life of the person who's dying. That, in my mind, is a little bit more tangible because when I am in the presence of someone who is grieving or has received a terminal diagnosis or is experiencing their end of life, I can see their expressions of grief, of sadness, despair, and pain. Oh, many of us have experienced even in ourselves, you know, that when, we, when we're in pain, we outwardly express, we cry, we scrunch our face, you know, we grimace, whatever that is, those are outward expressions. So let's consider the intangible or those feelings and thoughts that are not expressed. This is where I think the psychological aspect of thanatology can be so helpful. Because as counselors or therapists, these professionals are trained to kind of dig deep and allow us to dig deep and bring out those emotions, even if we thought we had them stuffed way down, which I can attest have done a lot. Whatever is not outwardly expressed for whatever reason, these therapists and counselors can just be really helpful because they're trained to walk alongside a, a client, if you want to call them that, and they can guide that thought process after receiving a troubling diagnosis or prepare themselves for whatever that diagnosis might be or while someone is at the end of their life dealing with emotions, maybe some relationships that they want to get reconciled, whatever that might be, a counselor or a therapist can be so important at that time. So for myself, I feel like if I, well, I'll just share. 
At the age of 52, I was facing a terminal diagnosis myself. I sat in my truck. I had to go in and get the test results, and I didn't want to. I sat there thinking, I am 52 years old. I can't die. And this particular diagnosis, were I to get it, was almost like a six-month death sentence. That's pretty tough stuff when it comes at you unexpectedly. I had watched my mom die from that same disease And to know that I was positive, I already knew the path. I watched it. I didn't want it. I didn't talk to my kids yet. I hadn't taught them everything that I wanted to teach them. Yeah, sure, they're adults by that time, but they weren't married. They were still in college. I wanted to teach them about how to go after your career and how to have a really good relationship because I had finally learned how to have that. I wanted to give them the advice about how to be married, how to save your money, how to make a budget, you know, just the practical and the loving mommy stuff that that I wanted to share with them. The other part that I realized as I sat in the truck that day was that I was not prepared for my own end of life. I had watched plenty of people die, sure, but because I'm me, I do for others. I take care of others. I help others through their hard times. I had not considered my own hard times. So when I sat there considering my own hard time, I realized I had no idea what my decision would be about chemotherapy, about any kind of life-saving techniques were I to be hospitalized. I didn't even have an advanced directive. And every single time you go to the hospital, they ask you if you have one. I taught people about those things. I should have had mine ready, and I didn't. So I went in. I got the diagnosis, and it was negative. Talk about getting a second chance. I did not waste it. I left that office, and from that point forward, I doubled down. I learned about all the different aspects of life-saving techniques, I learned all of the aspects about my advanced directive, who needed it, what I needed to say in it, who signed it, all those things. I began to write notes to my kids. When an important thought struck me, I wanted to make sure that I had written it down. I'll talk about this in a later podcast, but when the opportunity arose to have a really tough conversation with one of my kids, I did not hide from it. I went forward because it needed to happen. And I was learning. And I'm still learning. I haven't learned at all. I doubt I ever will. But each time I learn a new thing, it brings me a step closer to having the good death. And you say, what does that mean? What I have learned in these years is the good death is the way of dying where you have knowledge of what's available to you, you have knowledge of what happens at the end of life, of the physical things your body goes through, maybe even the psychological things that you might experience in that time. The emotional piece of making sure your relationships are where you want them to be at the end of your life. Basically, I look at it as dying with no regrets. I forgave myself (laughs) for the mistakes I made in the past. And I wouldn't regret them because I took them and and really did try to learn from them and do better as a result. Now, had I gotten 
the other diagnosis, the six months to live diagnosis. It's comforting to know that there are trained people in the psychological field of thanatology who know about death and dying and terminal diagnoses that I could call on to get help for whatever feelings or thoughts that I was trying to bury or which ones were outwardly coming out and needed addressing right away. That is such a comforting thought. But on top of that, the next time that I lose someone I love, I know that if my thoughts and emotions are really too hard for me to handle, there is a professional trained in this field who can help. I hope this brings you a little bit of peace of mind and a new word to carry around in your pocketbook. Thanks for listening, and take care. I'm thankful you listened today. Please visit my website and drop me a question or a topic for future discussion. Also, in the show notes, you'll find any reference materials such as names or book titles that I discussed in this podcast. Until next time, folks, take care.